When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. We are no longer counting down the days. We are now counting down the hours to the NFL draft. It has gotten that close. Appreciate you jumping aboard with the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Yeah, we've been waiting for this for a while. We've still got a little bit more to wait, but it's much less than it has been. Johnny Mac, the draft is almost upon us. You'll be at the Novacare Complex. I'll be here broadcasting for CBS. But, man, we got a party going on down in Atlantic City uh, with our Jacob Media stream family. Yeah, how about that? The uh, Jacob Media Draft Special uh, from the Ocean Casino and Resort, uh, theoceanac.com. You see it on the screen there. You can get all the information there. Maybe sneak in on the luxury bus to get down there. Jacob Media is taking you in luxury uh, to the ocean AC, uh, uh, and, and you can get involved with that Jody by saying Jody Mack wants me on the bus. McMullen wants me on the bus. Just email Krause at jacobmedia.com. You see it on your screen, Krause at jacobmedia.com. Now, do you know, uh, when the emails have to be received by, um, I'm guessing it's sometime today. Cause you got to yeah, it's uh, got to be, it, there's got to be a cutoff point. Maybe Tone can uh, figure that out for us. But I would get it in as early as possible. So if you're on the stream right now, just email Krause right now, Krause at jacobmedia.com. Say, Jody Mack wants me on that bus. Jody Mack wants me on that bus. You might win. Mike Quick's going to be there. Seth Junior's going to be there. Our guys, D. Gunn, Rob Ellis, uh, Devin Caney uh uh is going to be there as well so uh it's going to be a fun time down at the ocean ac resort and i wish i could be there but i have to be at the novicare understood you and i both have to unfortunately do different work for the eagles upcoming draft uh 
John, a lot of rumors yesterday flying that mm. after the day before where uh, the, the big talk was everybody's looking to trade down. It's going to get crowded because nobody wants to pick at the top of the draft and everybody's looking to trade down. And these are always great rumors, but I remind everyone every time, takes two to tango. You can declare yourself, listen, I don't love my draft spot, so I want to move down. Well, who are you moving down to? Who are you cutting a deal with? To move down, someone needs to move up. That's the way the balance works. So I, I love when, they, oh, everybody wants to trade down. Well, then not everybody's going to get what they want because everybody can't trade down. Because if everybody wants to trade down, it means not enough teams want to trade up. Well, we might have one of the teams that does want to trade up right here in Philadelphia because the rumors were flying pretty hot and heavy yesterday that that is something that the birds are investigating. We know Howie Roseman told us in his media availability last week they get all this worked out ahead of time. Any potential first-round draft pick, they're going to talk it through before we ever get to draft day, certainly before the clock ever ticks for pick number one. So the Eagles have had these conversations. How intense have they been? How much do the Eagles like the negotiation they've already had with other teams? That we don't know. That we won't find out till tomorrow night when we actually get there. But are you buying that the Eagles are one of the strongest teams with a desire to actually move up in the first round? Yes and no. Yes, in a targeted move up. I know there was a couple of reports saying they might go way up to five and six or whatever it was, but uh, I don't see that. I, I think it's, you know, we talked about last year a lot because it's so recent when Devontae Smith moving up from 12 to 10, but they did it with Andre Dillard in 2019. They did it really with Fletcher Cox and whatever that was 2012 ish or, or something around that range. So, um, you know, when they like a player, uh, they'll go up to get them. Um, and it's generally, as I said, a more targeted fashion. So, you know, the player I'm focused on most, everybody probably knows it by now, is Jordan Davis. I, I don't think he gets to the Eagles at 15. So if they're in a position where they have to go ahead of Baltimore, for instance, and Houston's been one of those teams that's willing to listen and trade out of 13, could I see that move up? Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that kind of move up. As far as people talking about going up to, um, you know, get a mod Gardner early in the draft or Derek Stingley early in the draft. I'm not, I'm not as much buying that part of it. I had a good call last night on, on WIP guy said, Jody, I'll lay out the trade that's going to happen for the Eagles. I said, I really like your line of logic and, and the pieces fitting to why it both teams, both parties could be interested. I just didn't think the value that he was looking to give up the Eagles was enough. It's close as per the Jimmy Johnson uh, value chart, but I don't think that the, the 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 team the Eagles would be dealing with would pull the trigger. Um, yeah, we are talking about moving up significantly to number six, which is owned by the Carolina Panthers. The GM yesterday said that, uh, yeah, there are quarterbacks that could be worthy to be taken at six. Eh, BS flag. Mm. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. Don't think they're taking a quarterback at six. Would they like to take a quarterback? Yeah, I believe so. Would they like to take a quarterback at a spot like, oh, I don't know, middle of the first round, 15 or somewhere thereabouts? Yeah, they'll probably still have their choice of quarterback at 15. And if Carolina likes one of two, a Pickett or a Willis, 
I guarantee you one of the two is left at 15, and there's a very good chance no quarterback has been taken by 15, so Carolina could just jump in there and get the quarterback they want. They don't have a second-round pick. They don't have a third-round pick, which is a deterrent because if you do the draft chart thing, what you're going to potentially give up isn't going to quite get you there. So if the Panthers could put something else in to balance out the deal, you would say, okay, maybe that worked. They don't have those. That's why they're willing to trade down is because they've got nothing between their first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. But if the Eagles offered 15 plus their second-round pick plus their higher third-round pick, it would come up just short of the value of the number six overall pick. I think Carolina would turn it down. But if they didn't, if they said, all right, Howie Roseman, you got a deal, would you trade – 15, 51, 83 to get the six. Now it's six. Here's here's how we'll do this. Tell me the players in John McMullen's mock draft, one and only mock draft on sportsillustrated.com that you had coming off the board in the top five. Um, I I had Icky Ekwanu, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, um, um, Trayvon Walker, um, I believe Jermaine Johnson and um, I'm trying to pull up my draft. Who would I have five? I believe I had Evan Neal or might've been Charles Cross at five. So one of the two tackles. Um, so those are the players. Oh, so three DTs and two OTs, three edge rushers two two. Uh, offensive edge, I said DT, yeah. my bad. Thank you for correcting me. Um, so in other words, if the Eagles got the six, they would have their choice of one of the edge guys. Who you had Thibodeau falling down? Yeah, yeah, so, I have Thibodeau falling, um, and that would be if the Eagles are going to go up that high. I would think they would want Thibodeau more than Gardner or Stingley. Oh, ahead uh, of the two corners. Yeah, if they're going up that high, I don't think they're going up that high. Plus, we can talk about the Carolina. You know, Carolina is interesting, the Carolina part of it, because of this reason, Jody. And this is the reason I didn't have him taking a quarterback. Um, Matt Rolda doesn't want a young quarterback. Now, I don't know how much power he has left, but he's coaching for his job. The last thing he wants is to roll out a rookie quarterback. Um, You know, if he has any heft in that organization left, and I don't know if he does. I mean, he might not have any. And Scott Fritterer might say, Screw it. I'm taking a quarterback. You're going to be out of here next year anyway. Um, But if he has any power left in that organization, he's going to want a Baker Mayfield type to try to win football games and and try to make that trade day two or day three of the draft um, and and take an offensive tackle. Um, So, you know, I – I don't, I don't think Carolina, from the perspective of the head coach, is very high on quarterback at all because he's got to win. He's got to win now, right now. And that's not the way to win right now. All right, so say. let me ask you that question. You think Matt Rule has that juice right now? I don't know. That part I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I, I, I will say. It's, it's a yay or nay question. Well, I, I didn't pick a make quarterback. A call. I didn't pick a quarterback, so my my estimation is they're not taking a quarterback that high in the draft, and they're going to go with you know they they've been really linked to to cross a lot. They they like that particular player, 
And, you know, some of the Evan Neal rumors, that's interesting. We got to get into those because they don't make any sense. But um, so I think you have the Giants and the Panthers trying to get people to say, well, we want Cross. You know, maybe they really want Neal uh, or Ekwanu. Um, and I think you're having this bandying back and forth. But it, I, I, you know. It's tough to me to believe an NFL organization is going into a season saying, well, just what I said, the head coach isn't going to be here next year anyway, so I'm going to do what I want. If that happens, you have a terrible organization. Everything's left to, you know, everything's on the table. So I can't say it's not going to happen. I can't say they're not going to take a quarterback, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And the fact that Matt Rule wins the needs to win football games right now he does but i i i just don't think he's got the juice johnny mac and if your point is well then they should have fired him during the offseason yeah i think you're right that that that's what should have happened i like matt rule i think he's a good coach uh i'm surprised that he hasn't had more success his first year, they were in every single game. They just couldn't finish it off. I expected a step forward this year. It didn't happen. And, yeah, I just don't think he – I don't think he's got the juice, despite the fact that they gave him a uh, seven year contract. contract. Seven years, Jody. Seven uh, yeah. years. Never never done before. And David Tepper's got more money than God, so it's not like he can't afford to pay at all. But, you know – you you don't you don't want to leave that much on the contract, so it it is an interesting dichotomy uh, with the Panthers, the GM, the head coach. But the head coach doesn't want a quarterback. That's that's what I'm basing it on. And you might be right; he might not have no juice. He may have no juice left whatsoever. But I can't imagine that they're thinking quarterback right now in the first round of the draft. Yeah, I think they are, but I think they're looking to do so. That's why this trade down with the Eagles makes as much sense as it does. They realize that none of the quarterbacks, despite the general manager looking the camera right in the eye yesterday going, oh, yeah, we've got a couple of guys that would be meritorious of the sixth pick at the quarterback position. No, you don't. You don't have any. <laughs> that, that's why you're looking to trade down. And uh, the Eagles could be a perfect slot if you're Howie Roseman. And the ask the offering price and Carolina accepts it is 15 plus your second plus your top third. You pulling the trigger on that? No, 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 I'm not for this reason. They have so many needs, Jody. I mean, you're talking about building, right? We're in a building phase. We're in a transitional phase. Now we're in a building phase that we're not ready crowd. We're not ready to do this. We're not ready to do that. Well, you're not ready to make a move up for a targeted move up for a player. Uh, of that caliber because you need a cornerback, you need a wide receiver, you need an edge rusher, you need a defensive tackle, you need a safety. You need those day two picks. If anything, I want more day two picks. I want what they have five in, in the first 101. I want six. Um, you know, you, you guys called it the building phase. Well, you know, then I, I don't want to give up everything for Kayvon Thibodeau or uh, Derek Stingley Jr. or uh, Ahmad Gardner. I I don't I don't want to miss out on those other positions. I still have to fill because of the bad maneuvering when it comes to wide receivers and the fact that 
you don't have a safety net with Steve Nelson anymore. You haven't been able to get anything done at safety. Now, maybe you bring in Honey Badger after the draft. You can go about it a bunch of different ways. But I and 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 then bottom line, Jody. I I don't like the players that much. I, I in in other words, let's well let's start at corner. Um, I don't think Trent McDuffie is that much worse than Ahmad Gardner or Derek Stingley. In a lot of ways, he might be safer. It's probably not as exciting. Probably doesn't have the the same type of ceiling. And while the edge rushers drop off, because I don't think they like Karloftis at all, I think we can cross that one out. So I don't think any of the four edge rushers are going to be there. But, I mean, I think Jordan Davis could be every bit the player for Philadelphia that Kayvon Thibodeau could be. Maybe not as sexy, but in a lot of ways more important for what Jonathan Gannon wants to accomplish. And again, you can get it later. So I don't see the big drop-off from going up and getting one of the players people are targeting high in the draft versus players you can get, you know, probably a targeted move up for Davis. Probably you can stay stand pat and get McDuffie. I don't see the value. Then you're getting the other players with the other picks. So I, I don't I don't see this huge increased value from jumping up that high. It's an interesting just because the if the Eagles feel differently than you, John, that there is a major difference between a Sauce Gardner and a McDuffie, and they're willing to pay that price. I think Carolina is looking to do exactly what we're discussing. Take a quarterback by trading down. Not at six, but taking a quarterback if they can get into the middle of the first round, which is right where the Eagles are. The question is, what is the price going to be? All right, we'll continue to toss that around. We do want to look at the entire draft. We always look at it through eagle-colored glasses, but uh, there'll be a bunch of picks if the Eagles don't trade up before the Eagles ever go. We're going to discuss all that with our next guest, Russ Brown. We had him on a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was almost a month ago um, from Cover One Sports. Going to hop aboard, give us his evaluation. Now, 30-plus hours away from the NFL draft, he'll join us here on Birds 365 next. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser. The official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven, three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams 
deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy sh. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. We are lucky enough to be able to be joined by our buddy from CoverOne.net, Russ Brown, who was on with us, like I said, about a month ago. Did an outstanding job. Glad to have him back. All right, Russ, we know what the, we, we think we know what the teams are doing right now. Last minute preparation, conversation, talking about potential drafts. What do you do? You got your last mock out. You're not gonna you're not gonna be changing it or updating it. What are you doing for the next thirty plus hours? Oh uh, well, you know, pretty much it's have a cocktail, relax a little bit, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe do a little Kentucky Derby prep, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll see how we do there. But uh, no, I mean, I try to get this done. You know, normally the day before the draft, I, I enter it into the you know the national contest or whatever. Last year finished top fifteen, so we're gonna try to do the same thing this year. And uh, last year was my first time in that. So um, now it's just, you know, basically get all the hate mail from fans that don't like the draft picks that I gave. I love the hate Uh, mail, Russ. (laughs) Yep. But uh, other than that, I mean, I I think it's just kind of hanging out, maybe doing some last, you know, bit of film that I I need to watch on any types of players or rewatch and stuff and and just kind of relax and enjoy the ride here. So um, I'm always interested with draft guys, how you put together – your your sort of final mock is it these are the players russ brown likes and thinks are a fit for these particular teams or do you take into account what you think the teams think and what their sort of process is how do you how do you formulate your particular mock draft well it's it's kind of a a mix of of both and kind of a little bit of everything in between like uh I, i try to connect the dots of maybe what certain team reporters are saying, what maybe certain scouts have told me, what maybe certain colleagues have told me. And in some way, shape or form, I tried to formulate it into what the final product might be. So, you know, last night, like over the couple of weeks ago, I was told that Evan Neal is 
potentially the top guy on the Jaguars board. And then over the weekend, I hear that Sauce Gardner is the guy for the Texans. But then within the last, and again, there could be a lot of smoke to it, but within the last 48 hours, I get told that the Texans really like Derek Stingley and that they could potentially be looking to move 13 to get, you know, potentially one of the offensive tackles if they fall. Maybe that trade spot is Carolina, as you guys were talking about Philadelphia. But then also, uh, you know, there was the conversation of, well, the Texans like Stingley they believe that it's going to go Walker and Thibodeau. So I just kind of roll with that and put the mock draft together because I feel like that was the most concrete information that I had received up to this point. So kind of went from there and then just, yeah, it's kind of the team fits and player fits and where I I think they should go. And, you know, um, it's just a a little bit of both, I guess. Any angst after you hit send? How quickly does that first text come in and you go, oh, I wish I would have. I wish they would have put this guy in this spot. Yeah. I mean, um, like that's the thing I had, like the Evan Neal at one thing kind of put together and I'm a betting man. So, you know, at the time I put it together, he was plus 1600 to be the first pick. And I was feeling pretty good about, you know, the information of him being that first pick, but then it moved to like plus 2,500. And I'm like, well, is there still a chance for that offensive tackle? So as I was getting ready to submit that one, I was like, nope, I'm going to just delete this whole thing and restart. So I put together 3,100 words of just pure pain and uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty much put it together. But yeah, there, there's those things, you know, like there's been the rumor right now that Debo is going to get dealt to the jets and you know, they're going to give up a haul and that's been the rumor for the last you know day or so. So it's like, well, I'm going to still have them keep the 10th pick, but could we see San Francisco slide in there and have that 10th pick? We absolutely could, but yeah. there might be a, there might be a little regret, but you know, uh, I, I've done worse in life to have a little bit more regret than a mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons your number might have gone up as significantly as did for Evan Neal being the number one overall pick, there was a rumor floating yesterday that both Neal and Raymond, two first-round offensive linemen, had failed medicals for several NFL teams. One will report went so far as to say they're off teams' boards, which the last time I remember that happened was uh, DJ Metcalf and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of teams, including the Philadelphia Eagles, wish that hadn't been the case on a report that they had. Uh, immediately, Neil and his people come out and say, I have no idea what they're talking about. He hasn't missed one workout. He hasn't missed one scheduled visit where this, you know what is coming from. It's just not true. We know leading up to the draft, there is a pretty good uh, content of misinformation. You think that's what this is? There's a team sitting there somewhere in the first round that wants Evan Neal badly, sees your mock and says, oh, my God, he's going number one. We have to put some <laughs> info out there that he's he's injured. He can't play. He's going to die. We got to get our hands on this kid. How much of that do you have to deal with? Yeah, I mean, I think that that happens all the time. And I, I think that's one of those cases where, you know, teams want a specific player. And I mean, because deep down, none of us really know what these teams have on their board unless we're sitting in that room. And unless, of course, there's a very credible source like a, a, a player's agent or a team, you know, a certain type of agent or, or whatever it might be or a certain scout. But with that, I mean, yeah, I, I could very well see that maybe that team is a, a team like Carolina or it could be a team like Houston. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, that's kind of the source that I had heard that that's what they think that's going to happen at one and two of Walker and Thibodeau so that they can take Stingley. And then, of course, you know, are they saying this about Evan Neal so that if he falls to 
six or seven, they maybe move up and, and grab him. Um, it's really tough to say, but at the same time, you know, I've heard that they really like George Karloff to set 13. So it's very tough to kind of figure out because I mean, it makes sense if they want to go that route and they just kind of revamp their defense, but yeah, you deal with that stuff all the time where we're, you know, especially at the top of the draft, not so much in the middle part of the first round and stuff, because that's always kind of a crapshoot, but I, I'm sure it, it happens, uh, through the NFL circles more than it probably would on, on Twitter or anything like that. Yeah, I've never understood that kind of stuff where we're for this reason, Russ, um, we're the ones who don't have the medicals. And by mm -hmm. we, I'm talking about reporters or, or draft people. We don't have the medicals. The teams have the medicals. They have the information. Mm -hmm. So who are they trying to fool? And the second part is team doctors, because you can get the medicals that everybody gets and individual team doctors could then go, well, I'm a little bit more concerned with this than somebody else, but I've yet to meet the doctor. I always joke, there's never been an unsuccessful surgery. If you look through all the newspapers in the history of time, there's never been an unsuccessful surgery. So doctors are not one to say that oh, I'm going to hedge my bet because somebody else, I mean, they're very, very competent people. The, the subterfuge I understand, and I'll, I'm going to use Charles Cross for this example, because everybody loves Charles Cross. You know, the Giants love Charles Cross. The Panthers love Charles Cross, supposedly. Those are the teams that I think want Evan Neal and mm -hmm. are hoping the other one takes charles cross that's the kind of subterfuge i never got the medical stuff they have all the information who are they trying to fool except people like me which is great but that doesn't matter at the end of the day the nfl teams have this information yeah absolutely and i, I mean I, I think you bring up a great point that those two teams sitting kind of right in between each other that they could very well be trying to i don't want to say play chicken but call each other's yeah. bluff in a sense of hey you know, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. And I think that's, um, that's very true. And it could be very spot on. I mean, the, the, the Charles cross stuff to, to the giants came out relatively early. And I think that stuff came out right around the combine. And I, I've been kind of hearing that a lot, but again, it, there could be a lot of smoke to that, but sometimes where there's smoke, there is fire. So it will be interesting on what happens at that fifth pick. If, if they get that opportunity to land cross, but if let's say a, an Aiden Hutchinson is there or a Kayvon Thibodeau is there, I mean, if, if that's the case, if one of those guys are there and they really value that edge rusher, could they go that route? But also, you know, Sauce Gardner is an interesting one too. I mean, he, as I said, was projected maybe to go three to, to Houston. And if he doesn't go three to Houston, does he really go four to the Jets? If he, if he passes the Jets, I mean, it sounded like the Giants were very interested in him, which makes a lot of sense with Martindale's, you know, man coverage press type defense. But beyond that, I mean, the saw start to fall down the board because of the run of the tackles and maybe some type of trade on something. So it, it's really going to be interesting. And again, you know, is it one of those things like you mentioned where these teams are just kind of messing around with each other saying we really like this guy so they could ultimately land a guy like even a, a sauce Gardner. So we'll see how it plays out for sure. Russ, last year's draft, First round, high picks, wide receiver position. Jamar Chase goes five. Jalen Waddle goes six. Eagles take Devontae Smith at 10. I've seen people say that if any of those three were all three of those wide receivers were in this year's draft, they would be drafted before any wide receiver that will be picked this year. Do you agree with that? And what does that say about this year's wide receiver class? 
I don't know if they would all get drafted before some of those guys. I mean, certainly they, they could, but at the same time, I mean, like Chris Olave is so consistent. Drake London's got this, you know, 50, 50 ball potential and there's a lot to love with this class. So, um, I mean, I guess it's more so different strokes for different folks here and really pick your flavor of ice cream that you, you want on, on the receiver. Um, but I mean, sure. I, I could Devonte Smith go first. Could Jalen Waddle go first? Sure. You know, those things could happen. Jamar chase as well. Those guys, obviously very talented receivers, so I'm not going to discredit them, but, um, it still wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if we had a, just a big group of those receivers together, if, you know, it ended up going like a Jamar chase and then a Drake London or something like that, it just wouldn't surprise me at all. But at the same time, I mean, in this draft, I mean, I, I don't know if we would see the top seven picks be a wide receiver, so I guess that kind of tells you that maybe it is a little bit of a weaker draft if, if we don't see one in the top five like we did last year with Jamar Chase. But at the same time, I mean, I think Atlanta's kind of that sweet spot for that first receiver. So is it Drake London? Is it Garrett Wilson? Those have been the most common names to them. Or do they go with just pure speed with Jamison Williams? So I think there's a, there's a lot of different scenarios that Atlanta's probably going to mess around with. But ultimately, I think that they're going to get the pick of the litter when it comes to wide receivers. Russ, uh, I'm going to give you three names uh, of guys that really from the start of the process, everybody had sort of pegged as first round picks, but now it seems like um, they might be in danger of falling out of the first day. One you already mentioned, and he might be the most, the biggest swing from teams I hear is George Karloftis. Some teams like him. Some teams don't even think he belongs near the top of the draft. So he's one. Um, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, the undersized center. Um, he's another. Nicobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. Those three players, I think, are in danger of falling out of the first round. A am I crazy or is it a possibility? It, it is very possible. I mean, it sounds crazy because when you look at just their overall tape, I mean, those guys are kind of the, the dominant players at their position. Um, but I'll start with Karloftis just simply because I don't per se see a true first round player. I would, you know, if I was a team in the back end with maybe multiple picks like Kansas City or Green Bay, I would potentially take him. But when you watch him, you know, he is so far from what he was back in 2019. 2020, he had, he had COVID. He battled through that. And I think maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's there's side effects from that, but it, it definitely looks like he's not the same player. I mean, there was times where he would hit like a, a push-pull move or a forklift club type move where, you know, he's upending basically offensive tackles and clubbing and ripping his way through to, to generate pressure or sack the quarterback. And, and this year it was just like all power all the time. And he didn't look as fluid as I thought people said he was. And as, as far as like a, a guy like Arnold Abiketti or even a Boye Mafe, he didn't look as fluid. So I think if, if there's maybe any concerns with any type of medical, as we've talked about with offensive tackles, is there any concern here with Karloftis? There certainly could be. Um, and we see it every year. Guys fall kind of out of that first round, and it makes a very interesting second day of the draft. So I think it could be the same thing with Karloftis. We saw it with A.J. Epinesa a few years back when he came out of Iowa ended up going to Buffalo. So I, I think that one's, you know, very interesting. Tyler Linderbaum, that one's a bit of a head scratcher for me. I think it's, you know, I, I think it's more so positional value there. He's only going to be pegged as a center in the NFL. He probably will never play guard. Um, I mean, he's very limited with his overall frame. He's listed at 6'2", 296. He might be able to get to 300 pounds. But ultimately, if Garrett Bradbury can go in the first round, I, I see no reason to why Tyler Linderbaum can. He's a terrific reach blocker, and he's certainly somebody that I think 
when you look at just overall technique and leverage and how he wins there, it's a big win for a team. So I think Cincinnati would be kind of that team that would make a lot of sense for him at 31. I know they have t- uh, Ted, Car- uh, Ted Karras out from New yeah. England, but they could easily play him at left guard or right guard and, and easily just put Tyler Linderbaum as a plug and play starter. Well, real so then- quick, before you get to Nicobe Russ, um, does the lack of success for Bradbury, does that hurt Linderbaum? Um, Yeah, and and it could. I mean, it it very well could, um, because if you see a guy get to the NFL and maybe you see, you know, similar projections because of overall body type or or play style, if it if it doesn't transition to immediate success, maybe that is why teams are being a little bit hesitant. But when you just look at, you know, a team like the Bengals, even the Packers, I mean, there's just so many different scenarios there in the back end where I think teams could always use interior offensive line help, even Tampa Bay. I mean, Ryan Jensen can't play forever. Um, so if that's the case, I mean, I think there's plenty of landing spots for a player like Linderbaum. Um, and then who was the last name? Nicobe. Nicobe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nicobe Dean. So with him, I mean, I, I would be surprised if he wasn't a Detroit lion. Um, you know, I think he's picked 32 or 34 for them. It's the only team that he's, I think, visited with, you know, as a top 30 visit, which I know top 30 visits really aren't a thing, but it's, it's, it is important to kind of track those things down. But um, I, I don't understand what's the, the big deal with him as far as outside of maybe medicals with his knee, him not running. There's, you know, questions that he runs maybe a sub four, seven, which isn't ideal, but he plays a lot faster than that. And I think that's important. So I, I look at him from a character perspective and just from a, an overall play style. I don't know why a team would pass on him. He, he would be the top linebacker for me. And if I'm at like, you know, we mentioned the Eagles all the time as a potential landing spot for a linebacker. If, if I'm the Eagles, I'm taking the Kobe Dean. I think I've even told Mac man this a couple of times on his national show. So I, I would do that if it was me, but yeah, realistically, I could see him falling out of the out of the first round, but I don't think he'll last much longer than 34. Two specific players who, quote-unquote, run slow but play fast are Hamilton and Dean. I think mm-hmm. that was there was a dancer by that name way back in the 30s. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, they can dance on my team because they can both just flat-out play. Don't mm-hmm. care what the stopwatch said. I watch enough film. I'm a, I watch them make dominating plays on the collegiate level. I think they'll do on this uh, the same on the pro level. So if either one of those guys landed in Philadelphia, I think the Eagles defense would immediately be upgraded. All right, well, stay on the defensive side because we get split opinions on this. I need yours. The top two defensive tackles in this draft played side by side last year. Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, both from University of Georgia different types of players despite the fact that they play the same position the position within the position is a little bit different i know it depends on fit and scheme and what the defensive coordinator wants to do but just generally speaking who's a better uh, defensive tackle Devontae wyatt or jordan davis i mean it is close uh they both play the game a little bit differently for sure i i would i would lean into just jordan davis because of as we talk about with Trayvon Walker, there's so much, you know, with traits and athleticism there that you want to bet on and, and the upside there that, that teams are going to bet on. And maybe ultimately the Jaguars do with J- Jordan Davis. It's kind of a similar thing. You know, he's kind of pegged as this only two down interior defensive lineman, but it's more so because they didn't need to play him on third down because they had so many different players and it's such a deep rotation up front. So it was one of those things where I think if a, a team in the NFL gets him, he's going to see opportunities to play third down because why wouldn't he? he takes up so much space and he eats up double teams left and right. That's going to take a premier edge rusher 
if he goes to the right spot. And it could take a premier edge rusher. Let's just say the Chargers, for example, you know, if he's in the middle of that defense, Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa, I mean, those guys are going to get put on one-on-one -on -one situations all the time, and they're going to put tackles like they're on ice. So I think it's one of those things where Jordan Davis at 6'6", 341, runs a, a 4.7840. I mean, that's all great, but when you just watch the tape, he's just so dominant, and he can two-gap, and there's a joke, you know, around that he, he can actually three-gap in a sense because he just eats up so much space. So <laughs> I, I, I love his ability, and you know, I, I know the Eagles would certainly be interested in a player like that, I would assume, just simply because, you know, Fletcher Cox is on that one-year deal. But the three teams that I, I think maybe Eagles fans need to kind of keep an eye on uh, would be the Baltimore Ravens at 14, the Houston Texans potentially at 13, and the Washington Commanders at 11. So we'll see how that obviously plays out. But I think those three teams make a lot of sense for him. You know, Russ, when I sat down to do my mock draft, I, I had a tough time getting the quarterbacks in there. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I couldn't get one on there till Pittsburgh at 20. Ultimately, when push comes to shove, I don't, I don't think a lot of teams, Atlanta, we know, I don't understand Atlanta's mentality. They seem to want a wide receiver, even they don't, they, even though they don't have the vehicle to get that wide receiver, the football, at least consistently, um, Carolina, Jody and I talked about Matt rule's got to win. He's got to win right now. Mm -hmm. You can't play a rookie quarterback. Um, Seattle, I think they like Matt Corral, but they're not going to take him at number nine. Um, right. So it, maybe they are a trade down candidate. Um, Pittsburgh, I think, is pretty solid. They're going to take a quarterback. And Malik Willis might fall all the way down to, to them. But w where do you have the first quarterback coming off the board? Yeah, they're back-to-back they're -back on my final mock draft at 19 and 20. I, I've got the Saints going Kenny Pickett, and then I've got the, the Steelers taking Malik Willis. I'm with you. I, I had a hard time kind of figuring out where those guys are going to go. And initially, like like I mentioned I, in my last final mock draft, rough draft, whatever you want to call it, that I ended up deleting where ne Evan Neal went first, I, I had the Giants trading out of seven, which I believe they wanted to get out of that. I do believe they want out of that spot. And I had the Steelers moving up to take Malik Willis. But ultimately, I mean, we could see that happening. I, I think they could, you know, get rid of some of that draft capital that they have for this year, next year. But yeah, realistically, I mean, we could see them fall a little bit. And I think 19, 20, maybe even somewhere between 15 and 20 just makes sense where maybe there's some movement between the Saints and the Steelers to maybe make that happen. But um, yeah, I'm with you. And then I think it's just kind of the back end of the, of the first round. You know, I think is maybe we're seeing maybe a Desmond Ritter or a trade up for like a Matt Corral. Maybe it is Seattle. Maybe it is Atlanta. Um, the Packers, I just I don't buy the Packers keeping two firsts. I really don't. Uh, they're going to be the team that has five picks in the second round when it's all said and done. And they're going to just double down on receivers and offensive linemen and, and do something there. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I, I think maybe maybe we see four quarterbacks, but it's more so because of the back end. And um I mean, obviously we'll see what happens, but a, a little quick rumor that was passed my way last night. You love these rumors. I know fans will eat it up, but it was the conversation of Seattle. There's a lot of fire around them potentially moving up for Malik Willis, but I don't know how accurate that is. Obviously I'm not there, but you know, I, I would be a little surprised with that. Just watching John Schneider and, and that Seahawks regime down at the senior bowl, really paying close attention to offensive linemen. Yeah, if they want a quarterback, they can take a quarterback at number nine. I don't know that they need to move up to get right. a quarterback. They're going to have their choice of whatever quarterback they want at number nine. I uh, Eagle-specific question for you, Russ. 
let's say the Eagles do trade up. They've got to give up uh, some of their uh, day two capital to get to the spot, target a player. And that player is a defensive lineman. Won't even uh, go so far as to tell you who it is, whether it's a defensive end or one of the two Georgia defensive tackles. But it's a defensive tackle. They still have needs, specifically outside, cornerback, wide receiver. If they've got to give up day two assets to get to the point, to get the guy they want to target uh, in and around the top ten, which of those two positions shows better depth? If the Eagles aren't getting one in the first round, either corner or wide receiver, which one is the better bet that they'll be able to find somebody who can step in and play their rookie year, contribute at one of those two positions later in the draft because of the depth of the position? Yeah, I would say it would be wide receiver. So, I mean, if you're an Eagles fan and they end up going defensive tackle and corner in the first round, I think that's a that's a good problem to have because I think wide receivers, a relatively deep draft. I mean, if you get into the second day of the draft, you got the option of maybe David Bell, Christian Watson, Sky Moore might be there from Western Michigan, who's been kind of shooting up craft boards, Calvin Austin out of Memphis. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different types of receivers out there. George Pickens has been a popular name, but the, the rumor is that a lot of teams have him off the board because of a lot of character concerns and the way he interviewed, it was not great at all. So it wouldn't be surprising if, if he slipped a little bit and if he does slip, does, does a team like Philly make a lot of sense for him somewhere on that second day? So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm the Eagles, I, I'm trying to – my sweet spot for them would be Jordan Davis and then Trent McDuffie. If they can somehow land those two players, I think it does wonders for their defense. But I don't know if, I don't know if McDuffie's going to be there. But I, I do have them getting Jordan Davis. So, obviously, we'll, we'll see how that, that plays out tomorrow if I'm right or wrong. Yeah, I do think they have a significant interest in Jordan Davis. Probably have to move up a little bit because I do think Baltimore is looming pretty heavy. They they mm-hmm. love that type of player. They were they did bring back Michael Pierce, but uh, I don't think they can count on that long term. So I I think they would have to make the targeted move up. But I'm going to talk about the splash move up, Russ, because. You probably caught the end of it while you were in the green room there. But Jody and I were talking about Carolina moving down. If the Eagles were to move up that high, what player do you, you think would be targeted at, at six overall in, the, in that type of position? It could certainly be that splash move for a receiver. I mean, is it is it Jamison Williams or Drake London? You know, I think Drake London would be a great fit there to play opposite of Devontae Smith, you know, that bigger body guy. Um, you know, 50-50 ball master and has that basketball background. So I think that they would be really interested in a player like him. Um, but at the same time, could it be for a maybe a potential cornerback? Like I mentioned, if Sauce Gardner starts to fall a little bit, would would he make sense for that defense? I think he would. I think he'd be a great fit there. Um, and if Derek Stingley has gone, I mean, could Sauce be the guy that they ultimately move up to try to get? I, I think that's very possible. But other than that, I mean, is it a potential edge rusher? I mean, d- does somebody like a Kayvon Thibodeau start to fall down the board or an Aiden Hutchinson? One of those, if Trayvon Walker goes one and the other and the other one goes two, you know, somebody's going to have to fall a little bit. So if they do, I mean, is it is it the move for the edge rusher? I think all three of those potential players or positions make a lot of sense for the team. And I think that that would be maybe the splash move that they, they ultimately do. Um, I would definitely be shocked if they moved up to get a quarterback. And I'm sure you could probably – agree with me there i mean i don't see them yeah, doing that yeah. but um yeah i mean I, I would have to say one of those top guys at the at the top of the draft for sauce or Kavon. 
All right, Russ, uh, know the Eagles, or I should say, I don't believe, I don't know anything, uh, but I don't believe the Eagles are in this conversation. The year before last, Jonathan Taylor went top third of the second round, but a day two pick, and all he did this year in his second year in the league was score 20 touchdowns, 18 on the ground, two more on uh, via the air, uh, and was absolutely in the conversation. If the Colts hadn't done an El Foldo at the end of the season, he would have gotten significant MVP consideration. Is there a Jonathan Taylor light back in this NFL draft, the guy who's going to get picked as one of the top backs, probably someday uh, somewhere in, in round two or day two? Is there a guy who's even in the same zip code as Jonathan Taylor for your evaluation this year? It would be close with maybe Kenneth Walker. I, I probably would still take Jonathan Taylor. I, I loved him when he was coming out, but I am a big fan of Kenneth Walker. I think he gets really overlooked in this draft. And I mean, I, I get some of the Brees Hall love, but at the same time, I mean, I wouldn't be drafting him in the first round if I was a team like the Bills. But if Kenneth Walker ends up falling to, let's say, pick 51 there in the second round, I, I think he would make a, a lot of sense for a team like the Eagles if they were interested in it, but really any team on that, on that second round uh, that's looking for a running back. I, I think he would just, he would make so much sense. He's so fluid with his lower body. He, he does just this, this crazy flexibility to kind of change direction. And I like, I, w- I want, I want to get up and like show you guys, but I can't because I'm, <laughs> one, I'm, I'm, I'm one too old for that stuff. But um, it's one of those things where I just I, I love the burst with him. I love the ability to just kind of absorb contact. He truly is somebody that I think you can give the ball six, seven, eight times in a row and he won't get gassed. He'll get knocked for not catching passes out of the backfield. Only had 19 in his career. But at the same time, Jonathan Taylor didn't catch a lot of passes out of the backfield and he's doing just fine. So I think Walker kind of falls into that similar range and falls into that similar conversation because of some of those things. Russell Brown, follow him on Twitter. You see it right there at Russ NFL Draft, uh, cover1.net. Read his final mock draft and send the hate mail to where, Russ? <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just send it at Russ NFL Draft. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. Now, well, before you go, last one uh, from me. Jody might have uh, a last one, but I want a surprise. My surprise, I'll give you the example, is. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know, but Luke Bickle, the, the head coach at Cincinnati, is very close to Mike Rabel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have Desmond Ritter matched up with Tennessee late late in the first round. Uh, they don't need a quarterback right now, but Ryan Tannehill's not, I think we all know, is there's kind of a ceiling there. So that's kind of my surprise in the first round. Any strange fits, you know, maybe player most people don't have going in the first round. Got any surprise for us in the first round? Well, that certainly would have been my answer as well. That's what I have also, um, you know, with Fickle and Vrabel, those guys are very well connected back to obviously their days at Ohio State. So I, I think that the Titans going quarterback makes a lot of sense, um, you know, when you when you look at it. Ryan Tannehill's not getting the job done in the big games. They're not winning playoff games. Desmond Ritter's a winner. He's won 44 career games, uh, third most all-time in NCAA history. And I think he's somebody that's mature, he's ready to go, and he can get that team over the hump if they really need him to. So I think that's that's the key there. And also, if you move Ryan Tannehill and you clear up, let's say, I, I want to say that the 
the, the cap space clearing that they would do is about $20 million or so. So that's money that you're going to need for a player like AJ Brown to keep him. So I think there's a lot that, that kind of goes into favor there. Getting that rookie contract on the quarterback position for four or five years makes a lot of sense for a team like the Titans that are built to kind of win now. So I, I like that one as well. I'll kind of go with another surprise, Matt Corral, Atlanta Falcons. I know the Falcons have done a lot of research on him and they've done a lot of research on on just quarterbacks in general. And like I've said all show, I don't think the Packers are going to keep both picks. I think maybe there's a trade where the, the, the Falcons who have two second rounders and a third rounder, they could give up a, a second and a third to move up to pick 28. And the, the pick would be, you know, the Packers moving out of the first round and the Falcons would ultimately take Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. So I think that would be some surprising stuff at the back end of the first round that might happen. And then just lastly, Karloff, this falls out of the first, maybe we see like a Boye Mafe or an Arnold Ebiketti, uh for like a team like the Kansas city chiefs who could certainly be looking to upgrade edge rusher. Frank Clark's been kind of on the rumor mill hot seat for that team all off season. And obviously Mike Dan is only playing opposite of them. So I think they want to upgrade there. So ultimately I think we could see some type of edge rusher there for, for the chiefs. By the way, uh, both you guys are wrong. There's no way Tennessee's going quarterback. They're going to run Tannehill out there again this year. They're they're still – they had the best record in the AFC last year. They're not taking a step back to take two steps forward uh, down the road. Uh, so I disagree with you guys there. We'll find out tomorrow night. That's the the best <laughs> part of it. All right. Um, everybody always loves this question if they're uh, a draft uh, content creator like yourself. Give me your day three guy. You've checked out other people's mock drafts. They either have them undrafted or you've got them in round four as compared to other people who have them in round seven. Who's your guy day three that's going to be starting in the National Football League in 2022 and you think everybody else has underrated and you've got them pegged exactly where it should be? Yeah, I mean, this one's a, a layup for me. Uh, that's Luke Godeke out of Central Michigan, the offensive tackle. Um, I love his skill set. He is certainly somebody that could easily go on the second day of the draft. Maybe he goes somewhere in that third round range, but I just love his skill set. He gets often compared with his teammate Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan, but I prefer Godeke over Raymond. I mean, he is just some of, some of his tape is just kind of teach tape for offensive tackle technique. I mean, he's always so square. Everything is under control. He's consistent with his pad level, his hand placement. And I mean, his feet will have to get a little bit faster, but he looks like a starting right tackle at the next level. And I, I love his skill set. I would take him over Bernard Raymond. And I think when it's all said and done, I think Godeke will be the better of the two offensive tackles out of Central Michigan. And then just another offensive lineman that will certainly go on the third day of the draft is Cordell Volson out of North Dakota State. This kid was a walking double-double back in high school. I mean, he had 35 career double-doubles, which was all you know the most all-time. He had 33 blocks in a season. He is a beast. And, and in 2019, he had over 100 knockdowns uh, for, the, for the Bison's offense. So he's somebody that when you watch Trey Lance, you watch Dylan Ray Dunes, you watch Christian Watson over the years, he consistently caught my eye. Right tackle, 67, looks like a guard probably going to be just because of his footwork, but he's aggressive. He's mean. He can down block. He can reach. He can do just about anything you need him to do. But I think he could be somebody that if you're, if you need offensive line help on the third day of the draft, you could probably plug and play him at right guard if you really needed to. If I knew central Michigan's offensive line were as good as you're saying, yeah, I, I would central Michigan. What I would have taken him against line. Washington yeah. state in their bowl game this year. Could have made some money as a matter of fact. Yeah, there you go. 
Russ, good stuff. Um, I You kind of mentioned it in passing yesterday. We're uh, less than two weeks away from the run for the Roses. I know like you, uh, like me, you're a horse racing fan. Who are you leaning toward in the Kentucky Derby? I mean, obviously, it'll be tough to, to pass Epicenter. I mean, he's so good. He's won so many different races and so many key races. Um, I, I mean, I'm obviously really intrigued with Cyberknife and, and how well he he ran uh, at the Arkansas Derby's one back-to-back races now. So I think it would probably be some type of combination there. Um, and if I had to maybe throw, I don't, I don't know if he'd be a potential long shot, but maybe just maybe tis the bomb um, would maybe be somebody that maybe hits the board. Um, maybe he runs second or third. The only thing that worries me is when he ran on dirt back uh, in February, he placed seventh and then he ran synthetic and he won both those races. So I know that's going to make a little bit of a difference, but we'll see. It's, it's really the, my favorite two weeks of the year here. We got the draft. We got the Derby to follow. It's a bunch of horse racing. We got Mountaineer back running during the, the night cap during the week. So I got something to bet. You got um, to get out of Mountaineer. You just got, <laughs> you got to do it. You can't be betting those horses at Mountaineer. They're just the quality of the Kentucky Derby as compared to Mountaineer is night and day. But I got to build the bankroll. <laughs> I like your cyber knife, uh, Brad Cox. I know he had to wait 10 months for it, but he is your defending Kentucky Derby winning trainer. And uh, he told me months ago that Cyberknife was his best horse. So I do like that uh, selection. Best of luck on that. Enjoy the draft these next couple of days. Russ, thanks for coming on. We'll get you on after the draft is over and done with, and we'll get a a review out of you. Thanks, bud. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Russ Brown uh, here with us on Birds 365. Yeah, it's funny because I had him on as a guest, and I tweeted it out, and he hit me with a DM on Twitter. Didn't know he was as big a horse racing fan as he was. He wanted to pick my brain about horse racing because he listens to my show and he knows how much horse racing I talk as well. We don't do that here on Birds 365. But if you want, don't you, you got my Twitter. They can send yeah. me any horse racing questions you want yeah. on Twitter, which is better. You're than the me. expert there. I got to defer to your knowledge. Uh, it's better than the hate tweets race. we get from time to time here on Birds 365. Mm-hmm. Horse racing queries always accepted and look forward to. All right, we'll come back. We got that much more to do. Uh, Mike Tenure from uh, Football Outsiders is going to join us in the next com- upcoming hour. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Bird 365 guys. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mama. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Got Mag and Matt, McFarlane and McDonald here with John Birch 365 as the countdown to the draft is on. It's no longer days, it's hours before the Jacksonville Jaguars get on the clock. And I know from time to time you take a little bit of a pot shot at the Jaguars. Much deserved, as a matter of uh, organization. The dysfunctional organization it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, there was an article out there overnight that said, uh, Shad Khan disagrees with Trent Balky as though he's leaning toward as the number one draft pick as of right now. Yeah. They had said earlier in the week they'd cut their finalists down to four. You only got a couple of days. You should have it less than four by this point. Yeah, boys. you should. You should know where you're going to go. Well, I hope they do. But look, it doesn't surprise me. And I, you know, it started when I was doing my mock draft. Everybody thinks it's down to Evan Deal or or Trayvon Walker. Um, I think it's down to Iki Iguanu or Trey, Trayvon Walker. And I think 
Balky would want Walker. I think Doug Peterson, just from knowing him, would want the offensive tackle, which would be Equano or Neil. It could be Neil, but um, and I'd lean towards the offensive tackle because I said if if they're going to give any, any goodwill or any deference to Doug, it's going to happen now. Um, and they did mention surprise, so I'm probably thinking too much into it. Um, it's probably going to be Walker, but. Um, yeah, they're a disaster, Jody. And, and, and I'm rooting for him because I like Doug so much. Um, uh, and I think Doug's a good coach and I think he'll do a good job from a football standpoint, but I mean, it, it, you know, the owner doesn't know what he's doing. Um, the director of strategy is more concerned what's going on tonight, wherever AEW is with their TV show. I mean, literally the draft is tomorrow. Tony's more worried about AEW wrestling. I mean, if I'm a Jacksonville fan, I'm a, I'm upset uh, that he's the director of strategy. He should probably just walk away. He's going to get mad at me, but he should. Um, and you know, Trent Balky doesn't have the best reputation in this league. I'll leave it at that. Um, right, and that, and sorry to interrupt you, John. That scares me more than anything else. Because you remember back to uh, when they were going through the new hiring of a coach process, a couple of would-be candidates said, yeah, we don't want to come work for Trent Falke. So there were rumors that they were going to bring in someone else to be a parallel executive with Falke just to be able to get their guy. They ended up on Doug Peterson, who we've seen before. Doug, as long as he's got the gig, isn't going to fight for power right off the bat. With a Super Bowl, then he might do a little bit of a power grab, and it could get him actually fired just a couple of years after winning a Super Bowl. But Doug wasn't going to come in and try and dictate uh, who, who he wanted to work with as far as an executive goes. They did all that talking, and they did absolutely nothing. Nothing changed other than Doug Peterson was handed the head coaching job. It's the same exact guys who were in position watching the franchise falter the last several years. If you're a Jags fan, I don't know where you're hanging your hat of optimism. No, I mean, it was Chad uh, who hired Urban Meyer. I mean, that is the the worst head coaching hire in at least, I don't know. Give me one worse, Jody. I, it's been a long time. I mean, that was, that was an abject disaster from minute one. Um, and I don't know who didn't see it coming other than Chad Khan, so. Well, look, they got it right. They got it right. Um, They got it right with Doug, I think. But even that, they didn't want to hire Doug. Very similar to the Eagles back in the day. No matter what the Eagles say, they didn't want to hire Doug. Uh, They wanted to hire Byron Leftwich, and that probably would have worked out fine as well. But um, we'll never know. Um, Just a bad, yeah, just a bad organization. So. And have the number one pick. And look, they don't want the number one pick. They don't want it because uh, they had it last year and there is no Trevor Lawrence this year. Um, They'd love to trade out, but nobody's going to trade up for that pick. And so they got to make the best of it. And what do you do to me? I'm just going to protect Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's simple to me. And I think it's simple to Doug. And that's why you should probably bet on Trayvon Walker. (laughs) We're getting down to, as we say, matter of hours before the draft. And John and I have thrown this out here. I don't know how many times over the last week or so. 
the misinformation that is the time leading up to the draft, that certain stories are put out there because the team has an agenda. They want some teams to double check and or get scared off when there's a player that they specifically want and is it within their reach. So they need to see the player drop or the price of trading up to get into a position to draft that player come down a little bit. What has been your favorite misinformation story? As far as you could tell, maybe you even checked into it and went to sources that you liked with a specific team or around a specific player or an agent who represented somebody. Was there a favorite John McMullen misinformation lead up to the draft story this year? I don't know if it's a favorite, but it's it's Neil yesterday. I, I it, It's a... <laughs> It's amazing to me, and this is more from people in my industry I'm criticizing than than other people, because I kind of explained it with Russ. Like, I don't understand why people bite on these stories. Um, just from the pure logic standpoint, as I, I, I explained there, we don't have the information. We don't have the information, reporters. We don't get the medical information. So... Like, what is the spin? Who you're trying to fool? Because the actual NFL teams have the information. They have the information. So for me, whenever I get those stories, I'm like, I just brush them aside. They don't mean anything to me because you're trying to fool reporters, which is easy, evidently. They have the sticking information. You can't say to a team, oh, we failed. Evan Neal, they have the combine medicals. They know he wasn't invited back to the to, for, for the medical recheck. And by the way, if you're going to take Evan Neal at number one or number four or five or six, you've done all that research left and right as an organization. You have that information, so you're not going to be fooled by that. And reporters are fooled by it every single year. And it always amazes me. The stuff that I find more relevant is, and I bring up Charles Cross, that that to me is teams. That to me is teams wrangling. Oh, we love Cross. We love Cross. That to me is a team, and I'm talking specifically, I'm looking at the Giants and I'm looking at the Panthers. We love Cross. We love Cross. No, they love Neil. And they're hoping the other one, takes cross and buys it and and they get Neil. Not that they wouldn't, you know, cross is a very good player as well. And I think ultimately he'll be a top 10 pick. They're all going to go really, really quickly. Um, But those are the ones that I think are really interesting wranglings of teams. They have the medical information. You don't have the medical information. Stop buying that nonsense. I'm, that That is my, that is my PSA for reporters around the country. They have the medical information. We're the ones who don't have it. That one was pretty illogical. I'm with you, John. When I read it, I said, really? I uh, didn't buy it, and I don't buy it. And the way you just laid it out certainly explains it. No, I'll give you my favorite misinformation story. And I saw it, I think it was two days ago. Um, you know, I'm a Matt Corral fan. I think he's... I actually think he's the second best quarterback in this draft. I think Kenny, and I don't think there's a lot of difference between Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral, as a matter of fact. I would rate Corral ahead of uh, Malik Willis. I would rate him ahead of 
um, Desmond Ritter. I would rate him ahead of Sam Howell for sure. Um, so I, I have been out there uh, singing the praises of Matt Corral basically all season long. So I want to see him do well just so I can look like I know what I'm talking about. There was a story out there this week that some people questioned Matt Corral's character, which is the exact opposite of everything I heard during the year, that he was a take charge guy, leader in the clubhouse, kind of like our guy Jalen Hurts here in Philadelphia. Uh, Guys gravitate to him. Uh, I think he's both an athlete and a quarterback. He's got that little gunslinger to him and he slings the ball a little bit which everyone wants the perfect form and cock it and throw it from the shoulder, except Patrick Mahomes doesn't play football that way. And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing Matt Corral to Patrick Mahomes. Nobody no, compares. No, you get it. Jody McDonald compared Matt Corral to Patrick Mahomes. You'll Just get it. in that they have that yeah. quick sling release. That's the only comparison between the two. Overall game, I'm not going there. But I did see a story this week about uh, some people questioning Matt Corral and his character and his attitude because he got into a fight with Wayne Gretzky's kid in high school. Really? You're backing it up to high school? That he got in a tussle with Wayne Gretzky's kid? Oh, that makes him an undisciplined individual. You can't have him running your football team. Uh, Really? That's that's, how far you had to go back to uh... high school? The Gretzky's kid? The I think Matt it, Corral's character. Come I'm on. going. I'm going to our second draft day reference of the week, the movie, where I think, I think Bo Callahan fell because nobody went to his uh, birthday, birthday party. party. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I. You know. I. Uh, hey, if you want to try, I mean, even Kayvon Thibodeau. I. I constantly hear people say. Oh, there's character concerns. There's character concerns. I'm like, I'm looking around. I'm like, what, where are these? What, what? I, I've seen no evidence that he's cocky. Uh, sometimes that's good. Um, I guess it could rub some people the wrong way. And that's always an individual situation. But I would argue that, you know, people that talented who are cocky, that's part of the reason uh, they're as good as they are. Um, just they believe in themselves because they've had so much success. And in other words, a lot of times I find that as a positive, not a negative, especially when you're playing a sport like football where you can't be a shrinking violet in football. You gotta be you you gotta be out there, you gotta believe in yourself, you gotta believe you're the guy. That to me is only a positive. Um, so I don't know. People look at things different ways. I mean, and if you rub somebody the wrong way, I guess it could hurt you. I saw him yesterday on the NFL Network. They brought him in for an interview. Um, And uh, they showed the tape of when he did say, the only thing I don't understand is how am I not the number one pick in the draft? And yeah, he came off as cocky, but I'm with you. Give me Uh, cocky over questionable every day of the week. Guy give me cocky not over. I'm not, I'm, I'm. Give me cocky over Ben Simmons, and I'm. 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 I'm afraid to shoot the bat. I mean, I. I want. I want Michael Jordan. I, that's the cockiest guy in the history of the world. Um, which I'm exaggerating, but you know, Larry Bird. I mean, there was that. I think it was ESPN that did the the famous trash talking story. Larry Bird's the best trash talker of all time. Um, and he just would 
talk everything to people's faces and then back it up. And that's that that is that's the guy I want. That's the guy I always want. And in J Mox, uh, J Max last mock, Kayvon Thibodeau dropping down past the top five into where do you have him go? Seven or eight or seven. Seven New York Giants. If the Eagles could get to number six with the Carolina Panthers, they could add that very cocky, very talented, best athlete edge pass rusher in this upcoming draft. Uh, could be something that we're talking about come Friday here on Birds 365. All right, one more note before we take a, a timeout here, and then Mike Tanya from Football Outsiders is going to join us. See what Jerry had to say yesterday? Uh, what did he say? No. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Laurie, when he, we last heard from Jeff, uh, talked about how uh, the picks that he had involvement with for the Philadelphia Eagles, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that uh, this pick, that pick, the other pick, all seemed to be picks that worked out quite well for the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. They certainly did. And those that uh, didn't work out quite as well, Jeff said, no, 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 I'm going to let you guys decide on that one. A selective memory for the owner of the Eagles. Ali, Dallas Cowboy owner, had basically the same thing. But he was a little bit more upfront about it. He wasn't trying to uh, fool anybody by saying, yeah, look at him for the successes. He came right out and uh, pointed a finger at his son and said, yeah, it's a collaborative thing and who makes the pick and whatever. Just let me say this. Taco Charlton, that was my son's pick. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, last year's pick, our rookie of the year, defensive player. That was mine. And he got a big laugh out of it. And Stephen Jones uh, played tremendously, just looked into the camera and said, wow, I don't find that funny. (laughs) They put Taco on his account and Jerry took credit for uh, the the yeah. year defensive player. Well, we all rolled our eyes when Jeffrey went down that route. I think it was Lane. It was Lane Johnson, Russell Wilson, and Jordan Mailata. Everybody else, no, I didn't. I didn't have anything yeah, I, to do I, with I, I let, those guys. I, I let my employees do their jobs on those, yeah. but the the three that we're talking about in question, yeah, I was heavily involved with those. Uh, at least when Jerry does it, he's not trying to shine anybody on. He's actually going for a laugh. Michael Parsons, yeah, that one's me. Taco Charlton, (laughs) that was Steven's pick. It was actually pretty funny if you get to see the video. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald with the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Mike Daniels, who's been on with us before, always does a great job when he joins us. We're talking draft with him next here on Birds 365. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to Reddit, go to look. Fake a mama. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. John Birds 365 on the Dick YouTube channel. Despite the fact that he might be the only guest we've ever had on who has a better beard than me, we still invited him back for another appearance because he brings knowledge every time he does. Come on with us, Mike Tanya from footballoutsiders.com. Hops aboard. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well. These gray beards represent decades of Eagles first round draft busts. No. That's yes. But that's because Jeffrey, Jeffrey's not involved that often, Mike. Just <laughs> one first-round pick, and that was Lane Johnson. Then right. Russell Wilson, third-rounder. Yeah, Jordan Mailata, seventh-rounder. But he doesn't get involved. What's, you know, that brings me, since I know you're a big fan of Silly Season, what's your favorite story during the Silly Season of this ridiculous hype lead-up to the NFL draft? I'm, I guess it's the one that's breaking in the last couple of days that Trayvon Walker went from the late first round sleeper to a guy maybe who should go to the top 10 to minus 225 odds to be the first overall <laughs> pick as this guy who, when I was watching Georgia Bulldogs games on Saturdays, and then when I was watching Georgia Bulldogs film leading up to like the senior bowl, like, yeah. He's like the fifth best guy on the Georgia defense. <laughs> is now the number one player in the NFL draft. It's about projection, Mike. Come on. It's about He's got projection. such long arms, and, yeah. and, and, I, and I can't get around this. And I see people kind of, well, look at his the traits. Look at his traits. And, again, we're old Philadelphia guys. We remember Mike Mamola. I don't want to hear about traits at the very, very top of the first round. Talk to me about that at the top of the second round or the bottom of the first round. Fair enough. Uh, and I do want to – ask i i got to question you a little bit here did you really do a show with michael k why would you do it why jay's a friend of the show too so we can poke fun at him since we're all poking fun at each other uh, how'd that go yesterday 
it was phenomenal. It was great having Michael on. And Mike's going to be there. I guess you guys are going to be there too in uh, in the Eagles Auditorium, watching all the action tomorrow night. So I'm I'm jealous. You guys all get to hang out. I'll be here in the home office doing pick by pick stuff. But it went for. It's nothing to be jealous about unless they open the cafeteria, which I don't have confirmation that's going to happen yet, Mike. But uh, yeah, I'll be there. My, Jody will be on the air, CBS uh, National Radio. But okay. Um, so I'll get to see Mike K. That's always exciting for me, but, uh, more exciting for the listeners is probably, uh, the top of the draft. And you mentioned Trayvon Walker. I, I, you know, because you cover the league from a national perspective. I, I like Doug Peterson. I, I think he's a really good coach, but man, he's going to a bad organization. <laughs> what, what, what is, what, what, what do they think about? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Have you ever seen anything like it? It's it's bizarre. And the way the stories are coming out is that Doug would like one of the linemen, Ekamakwanu or yeah. O'Neal. It's like, oh, can't miss linemen. Uh, protect uh, protect Trevor Lawrence. And they're like, no, we franchised Cam Robinson, who's an okay left tackle, but we franchised him. We spent money on him, so now we have to do something else. And that Shad Khan and maybe Tony Khan and the, and, and the ownership family has their guy. But Trent Balky is the one making the decision, as the general manager should, but the general manager should make the – a decision with the input of people like the coach. <laughs> Balky don't do that. That's not how Balky rolls. Him and Harbaugh had, had the battles, et cetera, et cetera. And Doug Peterson was hired specifically to sort of be the adult in the room after Urban Meyer. Like his number one thing coming in is he's going to restore some calm and peace to like the chaos where Meyer was kicking guys, you know, and screaming at them, et cetera. If he's there to do that, let him do make those kind of decisions. Hey, the smart thing to do at number one is either get one of these tackles or get one of the edges that we know can get a dozen sacks and not swing for the fences. Jaguars just are not wired to th think that way. They're going to try and swing for the fences. Mike, I want to touch on a couple other teams, not the Jaguars, who will be drafting in front of the Eagles. As of right now, Eagles yes. sit at number 15, could trade up. Uh, let's take a divisional peek. Good news is the Eagles made the playoffs last year. Bad news is both the Giants and the Commanders now draft ahead of the Eagles. Giants with two first-round picks at five and seven. The Commanders at 11, a couple slots ahead of the Eagles. Giants, new general manager, new coach in place. Yes. Washington trying to stay in the course. Mm -hmm. What kind of position are those teams in to improve themselves here? The Giants, Giants need everything, pretty much everything in the world. They may trade down. They may trade out into 2022 because their cap situation is so bad that two first-round salaries, two first-round salaries could actually hurt them at this point. So, I mean, they're going to take an offensive lineman and, a, and an edge rusher probably, or an offensive lineman and a sauce gardener if they stay where they are, or a Derek Stingley, okay? If that new brain trust has their druthers, they're going to kind of push and say, we'll have more money to spend and more and more of a chance of getting a quarterback next year. They're going to look for opportunities. Could be a trade-up opportunity even for the Eagles, potentially, if that's it. Could also be the Saints doing that. Washington, I, I don't know. I don't know. They were one of the most injured teams in the league on offense last year, so we don't know what they believe they have. Looking at them, it looks like they might need a safety. If Kyle Hamilton actually slips because people think, oh, he's the best player in college football, but, you know, who needs a safety? That could be a place where the Washington Commanders could pick up a value. They could be looking for a receiver ahead of the Eagles, and that would be a problem since the Eagles are in the receiver market. But they've got, obviously, Terry McLaurin, but they're getting uh, uh, Curtis Samuel back, but they might say we need somebody else there. So Giants might trade out, might just work on the line. Commanders, it's very hard to say. My guess is that they're going to go on defense, but they could try to upgrade that offense as well.
Well, you mentioned the Eagles trading up, and I think there's two ways that could happen. The targeted trade up, which they've done in the past, most recently last year with Devontae Smith, uh, Andre Dillard was that, Fletcher Cox back in the day. Small move up, which I think is most likely. But you mentioned the splash, the Giants, Carolina, a lot of teams looking to get out probably of that top 10. If the Eagles weren't going to make that splash move, which I don't agree with, they have too many needs, but yeah. what 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 player do you think they would target if they're going to try to go up that high? One could be Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. I don't like that move because you're not getting immediate help because of his ACL injury. But around the league, he's coveted as somebody who can be a long-term answer. And yeah, it'll be a, an Alabama you know, class reunion, whatever. It's, he's a very, very good player. If either of the cornerbacks, Stingley or Sauce, drop, which is very unlikely that they're sitting on the board around nine or ten, and that team sitting there doesn't say, well, screw it, we're just going to get this guy. That could be a guy that you're getting up to to get. Uh, another guy I'm just looking at and, you know, talking to Kay yesterday, Jordan Davis, Georgia defensive tackle, 320-pound, like, monster, has, like, Vita Vea potential, um, is a guy that could start dropping towards the Eagles. And yeah, you got Fletcher Cox, Jevin Hargrave. You got Fletcher Cox from last year of a deal renegotiated deal. You have a need. You have needs all along that defensive front. This is a guy who comes in, eradicates all your problems on run defense, and will upgrade your, your pass rush a little bit because he's going to give you more, what Fletcher gave you more of four or five years ago on the inside. Could be a dark horse guy who he's getting down to that level, like where the Texans are picking or something like that. And the Eagles see something that they like there, and they go up and make that move. Mike, you guys at Football Outsiders. Lean on analytics. I appreciate you because you're not a slave to analytics like some people are, but you incorporate it in your writing and the site's writing and evaluations and the like. I think this is one of the toughest times of the year because if you're crunching numbers from college football, how do they compare to projecting what a guy can get done at an NFL level? It's not apples to apples. It's kind of apples to oranges. More or less analytical use when you're trying to project a guy graduating from college football to the NFL for you. So tricky. There are some things that you can look at and say, yeah, this will project. A quarterback who gets sacked a lot in college, that's the biggest sign that they're not NFL ready. So you can look at the college sack rates and say Malik Willis, for example, led the uh, NCAA in college sack rate. Uh, against a mostly softer schedule. I mean, he was a weaker team, softer schedule, whatever. That's one of your indicators if you need any others. Yeah, if you draft him, he's a projection. Something like like defensive end, edge rusher, sack specialist, the traits are actually a better uh, uh, indicator than the sack totals. And that goes back to Trayvon Walker. Those traits really are great. The analytics say he could be a very, very good pass rusher because three cone drills and 10 yard short shuttles and arm lengths and things like that are better than saying, oh, he had 12 sacks, so he had 13 sacks. So that becomes very tricky. The problem with Walker is the analytics love him and they love Thibodeau and they love Hutchinson and they love one or two other guys. So if it's all equal, if it's all within like one percentage point each other, take the guy who had a dozen sacks, not the guy who who only had six sacks. And that makes the most sense. So a lot of times along the way, you have to throw out 90 percent of what you're looking at because these guys are running RPOs and read options and screen passes over and over again in college. It inflates their stats. They're playing against weaker opponents and all those things. You have to grind all of it out and take a couple of indicators and say, this is what we can hang our hats on. And how much does the tape matter, especially when you go to a place like Georgia, which, you know, most times, Mike, um, 
they're going to have seven defenders maybe in the top 60 or 70 players in this draft. Yeah. Uh, most times you're not getting seven players drafted in a particular year. Um, this is rare. And, you know, somebody brought up, uh, one GM brought up to me that the transfer portal is a big deal in college now for this reason. And Georgia already lost Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine yes. Johnson was at Georgia before yeah. he went to Florida State. Right. So they have Trayvon Walker, they have Jordan Davis, they have Devontae Wyatt, um, they have another kid, uh, yeah. Jalen Carter is going to go probably top five next year. Yeah. Um, they got to play those guys, or they're going to transfer and go somewhere else. Right. So you have this rotational system. Mm-hmm. Then you have a guy like Walker who's asked to set the edge. Right. He's not really told to go after the quarterback. Right. So how much does that factor into that projection, and and how difficult is it to to marry the analytics with with that kind of stuff when you're talking about the film? It's tricky, and that's when people started looking at Walker more carefully and looking at his role and things like that and saying, oh, wow, this is a guy that maybe in November we thought of as, oh, he's a third-round pick or something like that, and we started moving him up the board, and you recognize, oh, yeah, he's not on the field as much because they're rotating in five-star up underclassmen, and they're giving opportunities to these other guys, and they're blitzing Dean, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so on that end, you look at the scouting, and that's important. And again, you also realize he's facing Alabama offensive linemen. He's facing, you know, top-of-the-line SEC opponents. And then I'll, I'll go back to the stats. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at the Georgia line and say who had a high pressure rate, not just a sack total, because sometimes that's just the quarterback ran into you. Who has a high pressure rate? And then you look at Walker and his – pressure rate was like at 9%. And Jordan Davis's was at 12 or 13%. And Devontae Wyatt's was at 15, 16%. And Carter, the young man, you know, he's playing on limited stats. He's, it's 23%. And like, if you're the fourth best guy on your line, I get scheme, you know, I get usage, I get things like that. But if you're, again, the jump from fourth best on your line to best player in the draft, it's just, there's nothing on tape. There's nothing on the stats that are going to justify things like that. It does give you that ammunition to say, hey, if Bill Belichick took Trayvon Walker, it would scare the hell out of me. <laughs> Belichick would have this exact plan. He's going to do this. And, you know, he'd, he'd wind up with six sacks, but the guy behind him would get 16 sacks. And, like, that would all be part of the plan. But for right now, for the Jaguars, you have to look and say, I don't know what scheme plan they have for this guy. And that's that's where the projection comes from. Mike, I want to ask you about valuation in the yeah. National Football League, that uh, there are some positions that just aren't valued the same way they used to be. If you look at defense, certainly it's defensive line one, yes. cornerbacks two, linebackers three, safeties four. Maybe you think safeties three, linebackers four. And when I say linebackers, I'm not talking edge three, right. four guys who get to the quarterback. I'm talking about guys who are playing the linebacker position where has the needle swung too far that in your estimation the league is overreacted and their devaluating of a position has actually hurt some teams and those that haven't moved the needle that far are actually in better shape and will react that way in this upcoming draft it might be defensive interior tackle and it might be safety we talked about jordan davis and the talk about him it's like well, he's kind of only a run defender. Well, first of all, he still needs to defend the run. And secondly, I don't think he's only a run defender. I don't think people are watching the, the film a little more closely there. But safety is the one I go back to where it's like, oh, we're devaluing safeties. We're devaluing safeties. And then they sit there in the room. How are we going to stop Aaron Rodgers? And how are we going to stop Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? 
It's like, well, maybe if you uh, invested more talent in deep safety, you would have a guy who would be able to erase your Tyree kills, not by covering him one-on-one, by covering him down the field and, and chasing those plays down. And in this draft, it's, it's not just Kyle Hamilton. It's it's Jaquan Bursker. It's, it's Jalen Petrie. Most of these guys now in college are not just standing back in cover, too. That's not what they're doing now. They really are covering slot receivers. They are blitzing. They're these Swiss Army knife, you know, queen on the chessboard type defenders. And the NFL is still looking at him. It's like, yeah, we'll see. We'll grab who we get in the second round. <laughs> like the guy who can, like, I, I think of Kyle Hamilton. This is the guy that's going to stop George Kittle. This is the guy who's going to stop Travis Kelsey. This is the guy who's going to stop Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's a bigger receiver in the slot. And you can get ha- Hamilton in there and you can do that. Or you can say, we need a guy deep and he's going to help us stop Tyreek Hill. That's a lot of roles. That's important roles in today's NFL. And the teams at the top of the draft board are saying, yeah, maybe we'll get the fourth best edge rusher instead. I don't think that's a very good strategy. Not only that, Mike, and I'm going to give uh, Ben Solak credit for this. Yeah. I think he brought it up he, from the ringer. He brought it up to me and I said, yeah, that is true. And what he said was teams are actually valuing safeties, but they're valuing veteran safeties. Yeah. They're paying guys like Marcus Williams, who to me is a good, but he's not a great player. Right. And they're paying him big money and they're not valuing the position in the draft, which is weird because you look at the wide receiver uh, boom in the market there. And now they're saying, well, these guys are getting pushed up the board because we want cost effective guys because we don't want to pay a wide receiver 20 million. Why do you want to pay an average safety 13 million or above average safety? And you got Kyle Hamilton sitting there. It doesn't right. make any sense it, from the normal way the NFL does business. It, 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 that position is a 180 from the way they normally do business. It's so strange to me. It's strange. You can say, well, safety is a little bit of a veteran position because they've got to do more read and react and diagnosis back there. A lot of these young guys, by their second year, they're going to be pretty darn good at that. And they'll make up for it by being a step faster by, from those veterans. And the other thing you'll see is like veteran of the year. Well, we just brought in a guy for a one-year, two-year contract. Then we'll get the next guy. Teams do a lot of that. It's expensive. You don't get continuity at the position. And are they getting results? I don't know. Every year there's a new passing record. So I don't know if these teams are getting a lot of results from the safety. One team that doesn't do that, by the way, is the Bills. They got Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back there. They've kept continuity back there. And they've got probably the best safety tandem in the league. They're not just grabbing random veterans. Um, they drafted Poyer. I think they got Hyde from the Packers. But they brought these guys in and they got stability there. I, Mike, need you to do some wide receiver ranking for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you to put aside what type of wide receiver a guy is. Because we yeah. hear a lot about, oh, he's a, a big catch radius, taller guy. He <laughs> complements the shorter wide receiver you have. Except for the fact that Nick Sirianni's on record saying, I want all my wide receivers to be able to play all the positions. Right. X, Y, slot. Doesn't matter. I, I want them all to be able to play all. So we shouldn't look at them in that vein. And if that's the case, rank the top wide receivers in order in this draft. Don't know when the Eagles are going to pick. Are they trading up? Are they trading back? But when they're on the board, if they had the chance to pick any of the wide receivers, how would you rate them? Number one, Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. I love his ability to both get deep and get open in his first couple steps off the line. A little bit of a work in progress as a root runner, but has the agility to be elite at that. Number two, Jamison Williams, Alabama, probably would be number one if we weren't talking about an ACL tear and not having this guy probably in training camp and in the first part of the year. Great all-around receiver, can, can, can do all the things. 
Number three, I was back and forth about uh, Traylon Burks because of his slow 40 times. But I, I, you go back to the tape, I talked to some people, and it's like they didn't expect this guy to run a 4-4. He's very big. I think he's typecast as Debo Samuel in the slot. If you watch him on tape going up the sidelines, getting deep passes, a, a poorly thrown deep pass, for example, that might have been underthrown. I'm not no, sure if an Eagles quarterback underthrows deep passes. <laughs> I, you know, he can go back and get him. He can body up the corner on that side, and then he can run the little slant over the middle. So I like him. Drake London's another of the bigger type. I don't want to get into the types, but Drake London is like that. I don't know what he runs. I'm not too worried about it. He's a smooth root runner. I think there's not much downside in this guy. that He's going to be your big target, and he can do some deep stuff. Number five, I'm going with Alave of Ohio State. I think he's a pure speed guy. I worry because he. I think he was the third best receiver on Ohio State. Uh, they had that underclassman whose name eludes me right now, and you had uh, Wilson. But he is a very smooth root runner, and he's got that depth. Then I'm going with Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Um, again, I think he's typecast as a slot. He's a little bit undersized. I think he fits what the Eagles like. They like smaller, skinnier, Devontae Smith-type guys who can do a lot of things. He's got the speed. And then there's a tier after that, and we can go on. I could go on and on and on, but I think I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure, Mike, uh, you've heard the news, the shocking news that uh, Jalen Rager's on the market, if you're interested. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, I it, it is kind of funny, but we're, we're talking about there's a very good chance for the third consecutive year yeah. uh, the Eagles are going to take a wide receiver yeah. at some point in the first round. Yeah. Um, I see both sides of the fence. You know, uh, you, you got to admit a mistake. The old saying is, you know, uh, uh, you got to admit it before you can fix it. Um, right. However... You know, Nick Sirianni was brought in here, and one of the knocks on Doug Peterson when he left was developing players. And I looked at last year, and I said, well, Jalen Rager got worse, if yeah. anything. Um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who has now moved to tight end, got worse. Um, when does player development come into this? I think too many people say you draft a player and you get a good player or a bad player. Right. You got to develop these guys, and uh, have the Eagles failed when it comes to because we don't know the butterfly effect. If you don't have to take a wide receiver, you can have another player at another position of need. Mm-hmm. How much has player development hurt this organization? I think at wide receiver in the last couple of years, it really hurt because I think Ortega Whiteside is a failure of development. And I think Rieger is a failure of development. Oh, I did not like him as a first-round pick, frankly. I think he, he was a one-dimensional guy that, that that the Eagles and some other teams got caught up, caught up in as a, a first-round guy. I wouldn't hold that against the Siri or, Sirianni organization just yet because I think they got, especially in J.J., J.J., they got sort of damaged goods coming in that they're trying to manage along the way. Um, so how much of it was the outgoing coaching staff? I was not impressed by some of the later receiver coaches, et cetera, that Doug Peterson had in there. How much of it was the quarterback ter- uh, controversy uh, in the past and, and the idea that uh, past quarterbacks weren't necessarily helping some of these young receivers along by uh, being accurate and playing within the offense and things? I think that had a little bit to do with it, too. So right now with the, the wide receivers of the last two years, I think Rager was a miss. I think Slim Reaper's a hit. I think that he's I, – I, I, I didn't see any – I give Nick Saban credit for that, though. I, I mean, he showed up and right. he was ready. I remember Devontae Smith on the first day of practice, and I said, oh, this is different. Um, yes. 
That's fair. Well, then, then Jamison Williams might show up ready too by the same logic. That then, I think it's a need, and I think you know for the Eagles to say, "Gosh, we don't develop receivers very well. We better not do this." If they didn't do that by grabbing a guy off of the free agent market, then it's a need, and you fill it. And if that's your worry, then don't take Sky Moore, you know, from Western Michigan. We know I don't know if he's coming in ready. Take one of these because these guys are coming in from Ohio State and, and and Alabama. They should be pretty ready. Go out and grab one of them. All right, let me double down on the Ohio State. Uh, the yes. guy you couldn't think of was Jackson Smith, Enigma, uh, who, oh, by the way, yes. had more receiving yards than either Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave yeah. this past year. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. going back. And, oh, by the way, Ohio State has another kid by the name of Harrison. Might recognize the name. Son thereof, Marvin. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're going to have <laughs> yeah. a big-time passing game. Pretty good quarterback, year. too. Which that's exactly where I'm going. CJ Stroud looks like he's going to be ready to put up boxcar numbers next year. I like the kid's arm. I like the kid's makeup. Uh, You got two quarterbacks this year. No quarterbacks are going in the top five. Maybe none in the top ten. You're going to have two guys right at the top of the draft next year in uh, the Alabama quarterback and the Ohio State quarterback. Which one do you like? Is they're one better than the other. If the Eagles need to be in that quarterback market, they've got two first-round draft picks now next year because they did their trade down with the Saints. How good is next year's quarterback class going to be at the top? Right off the top, those guys look like a number one and a number two, a worthy number one and a worthy number two. I've not, like, ranked them in order. I've not broken them down in any way. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm watching them when I'm scouting Jameson Williams and John Mechie and, and Alave and, and Wilson. And it's like, yeah, yeah, they're coming. You got to watch their progress through next year. I, I don't see a, a, with that receiving core in those programs, I don't see a thing where like, oh, you know what? They fell off. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't have all the names in front of me. There's depth behind them. So if the Eagles strategy, and I think a lot of us think the Eagles strategy is, okay, last year was to Jalen Hurts audition. And he did well enough that this year's the callback. You know, so you get the callback audition. You know, we're trying to figure out who's going to play Batman or Superman. So you get the callback because we have like a couple of guys. They're ready. They have ammunition next year uh, to get that other guy. The question will be, first of all, how well will the Eagles do? They're not going to probably be a bottom five team. I don't think the Saints are going to be a bottom five team. So they're going to have to package things and move up. Who else is going to be in that conversation? Who else is going to have extra capital next year? Uh, The Dolphins, I think, put themselves in that position already because they're doing the similar thing with Tua. One thing I think the Giants want to do, what they would love to do is take like the top 10, the the 10th pick and like, uh, give us the 20th pick and then give us your next year one because we could finish in the top five and we could move up and we're going to be done with Daniel Jones. Let's be frank. We know that's how that's going to go. So the Eagles are going to, the Eagles position themselves well to be in that mix for those top two and whoever else falls. The question is, they're not going to be alone and will they have done enough when 2023 comes around? If Hertz doesn't develop. Mike, uh, I think you have a beat on that. Uh, Last one from me. I want you to put on, and before I get there, I want to tell everybody to read Mike at footballoutsiders.com. One of the best sites covering the NFL. He does a tremendous job. Um, I I, I want you to put on, you just gave a good explanation of of the Eagles and, and their thought process of kicking one of the draft picks into the 2023 draft uh, about the quarterbacks and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I want you to put on, I want you to take off your hat right now and put on your Mickey Loomis hat and tell me what the hell Mickey Loomis was thinking when he 
uh, made that deal uh, and has, by the way, Mike, as you find your Mickey Loomis hat, uh, by the way, with the trade, they still pick behind the Eagles both times. They pick 16 and 19, and the Eagles are at 15 and 18. Right. What explained to me, like I'm a five-year-old, what the heck Mickey Loomis was thinking? I, I've got my Let the Good Times Roll Bourbon Street hat, the closest <laughs> thing I got. Very nice. I mean, that's what I looked at because I first thought, I was like, oh, they're moving ahead of the Eagles. They want to be in position to draft a Jamison Williams. Like, you did not move ahead of the Eagles. You moved ahead of the Chargers, who ain't taking a quarterback, ain't taking a receiver, probably, or taking a lineman. So a lot of us think they're looking for a left tackle solution. Well, get it, we didn't get far enough for the top left tackles. They're not going to be there for Cross, Neil, Equanu, probably not Penning. Uh, you know, so what did you do there? So now we, the, the theory is they're going to move up again. Maybe for Kenny Pickett, maybe for you know Charles Cross or, or Trevor Penning. Maybe we don't know. Maybe they like Sauce Gardner, et cetera. The problem with that is they also have committed, I think, $280 million in cap money to next year already. Because all they're doing with all their veterans is pushing all their contracts into 2023, 2024. So they got out of cap hell this year by getting into cap hell next year. If they trade up again, so that'll be the first round pick from next year, the 2022 pick from 2024, and this year's two first round picks for one guy, and then they're in cap hell next year, and they won't be able to get out of it next year because they, they played all their get out of jail free cards. They're not going to have anybody on their roster. I don't, I don't understand this. It's going to be Taysom Hill and whoever they pick this year. That's going to be <laughs> their entire roster in 2023, 2024 if they're not careful. So I don't understand it. Everybody I talked to was like it was a lopsided win for the Eagles. Last year, when we talked about the, the deal with the Dolphins to get the first-round pick, yeah. like a lopsided deal for the Eagles. Eagles are good at that element of things. They may not be able to develop wide receivers. They may, they may like, whiff at times on the draft. They're good at getting these deals and getting themselves in position to either get some success or make the next mistake. And I think at this point, the Saints were the, uh, the victims of that. All right. You're going to settle the debate between John and myself. We disagreed on this a couple times during the past week. The trading of Debo Samuel. There's a lot of rumors banding about why Debo wants out. Is it because he doesn't like the way they use him? Has it just been about the contract? Is he just not a California guy? None of us know for sure. But let's say he is not happy with the way that he's being used. And he just wants to be a wide receiver, doesn't want to be a slash player, Mm -hmm. just wants to be Devontae Adams in a new spot located somewhere else. John said... If that's the case, he'd pass on him. Right. That you can't have a player dictating terms like that. Right. Generally, I'm with John and say, no, the coach makes those decisions. Right. But this is such a special and a supreme talent. And I don't think it's an outrageous request. If he had said, I only want you to throw me the ball 25 yards down the field, that'd be outrageous. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be something that no one else in the National Football League is to me, it's not outrageous if that's what he needs and I can get him for the right price, both on contract and exchange of draft picks. I would do that and say, all right, you got it, Debo. Should you allow a player to dictate? There's a lot of empowerment going on in the NFL. This mm-hmm. would be a new and different empowerment if you were a general manager and or a coach of another organization. Would you kowtow to Debo's wishes? I, I don't mind a player dictating to a degree. First of all, you said the right price. There's not going to be the right price for Debo. They're going to gouge anybody who's looking for Debo and the idea don't use me as a running back anymore I think that's fair I think that's reasonable 
when you're going to your current employer. <laughs> and when you go to your next employer and say, I want to be used a certain way, and you don't think that's going to impact your your contract negotiation leverage and your trade value, I think that that's, that's ludicrous. You have to take me on my terms. You have to take me minus one of these things that made me a household name and special. Now pay me what I want and give the team what they want. I think that's really in the opposite direction of saying, let's accommodate this guy. And if I'm coming in as a, you know, I'm Nick Sirianni and I brought this guy in and we handed him, you know, $26 million a year over several years. And we traded away a first round pick for him, which was probably what it would take. And the moment I call a jet sweep, I'm worried about him looking at me side-eyed and, and taking the name Eagles off his Instagram. <laughs> I like. I think I made a huge mistake. So if that's the guy you want, I, I think he the most sensible thing is for the 49ers to accommodate him on that end because they can talk for real about their actual playbook and what the issues are. And then they can accommodate him financially without giving up draft picks. That's, everything else is just too high a risk. I'd say, Nah, I'll, I'll go find Traylon Burks, you know, or I go into the draft and I'll get one of these other kids. There's like Wendell Robinson and these other guys who can be slash players and I'll grab them and I'll get them on their rookie contract. Mike, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Yeah, about 30 hours. You can get do four or five more mocks between now and the draft. How many are you planning on punching out? Four or five more mocks and like 25 yeah. more podcasts and then like 20 more on Friday and 20 more on yeah. Saturday and 50 more on Monday. Yeah, the minute I hit send on the mock, Mike, I want to take it back and I want to change it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just closing the book for for entertainment purposes only. That's there what these go. things are about. We're all it's all fanfic, you know. It's not it's not canon. We have Mike Tanya on for more than just entertainment purposes. The beard <laughs> scores the entertainment points. We bring yeah. him on for the. I'm jealous analogy. of the beard. I can't grow that kind of beard. I'm jealous of that. Sorry, but I'm getting a trim in two hours, so I'm pretty excited. Oh, very slightly. good. He's got got to be looking uh, proper for the NFL draft. Mike, good stuff. Thanks for hopping on, bud. We'll get you on after the draft comes down, get some evaluation after the fact. Thanks, buddy. You got to take care. Enjoy the draft, guys. Mike Tanyer with his good time hat on here with us. Uh, good times roll. Not no good times for Mickey Loomis. He got he got ripped uh, as well. He should. We shall see if he uh, pays the price for it on draft night. Drafting behind, as John properly noted, the Eagles not once, but twice. Twice. Yeah. All right. Uh, coming back, we got to put a bow on the show. Counting down to the NFL draft here on Birds 365. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Speaking of the misinformation season, it is the lead-up to the NFL draft. I just got this piece of information. The stateside vodka professor will be in attendance at the Jacob Media uh, gathering in Atlantic City tomorrow. Now, I don't know if I it's like true. That guy. It, I love it's a that rumor. commercial, by the way, Jody. I love that commercial. He's funny. I think they do a good job with that. He's good. He's having a cocktail at the end. That is a very good commercial. And he's going to be there tomorrow having a cocktail with you if you're going down to the Oceans in AC to see our draft party tomorrow night. Uh, for those of you who won the luxury bus ride down, congratulations. Those of you who just want to stop on by and watch the broadcast. Feel free uh, to do yeah. so. Yeah, to for all the information, Jody. By the way, you can watch it. If you can't be there, you could watch it on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You can also watch it on 6abc.com. So it's going to be streaming there as well. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Devin Caney, all your Jacob Media personalities, plus uh, Mike Quick and Seth Joyner. So Eagles legends down at the oceanac.com. All right, one more piece of misinformation before we get out of here. Uh, John McMullen, as soon as it's done, we'll be heading over to watch Eagles practice day. Eagles getting in some work. They they skipped last week, so now they're working double time down. And you're going to be there, right, John? Yeah, that is uh, misinformation. Yes, that's fake news, Jody, fake news. Uh, that, well, they'll be getting in some work. Guys are working out, doing some conditioning. That part's true. The part that uh, I or any other reporter will be there is misinformation. Sorry about that, Eagles fan. So he try, tried to talk it into existence. I guess I'm like uh, Lonzo Ball's dad, trying to talk it into existence. Not happening. They will not be sharing it. Maybe a little drip drip on social media. 
put out a picture or two, John, for yeah, you. I think they just gave a uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Boston Scott. Uh, I think they put out a Boston Scott uh, photo. Might have been yesterday, but yeah. Happy birthday to Boston. Well, I'm glad that the Eagles uh, retained. I thought they were going to have to tender him. They did not. They got him back anyway, so good on the Eagles. We'll see if it's good on the Eagles tomorrow night. All right, we still got a day and change. We'll be back with the end change tomorrow leading up to the NFL draft. I'm in. You in, J-Mac? Let's do it. One more, two more hours, and then it's draft time. Two more hours with us. You got the draft special. You got the guys on Sports Take. You got the National Football Show. Keep it right here. Then we'll be back on Friday to talk about the draft, Jody. How about that? So and you're going to get our first thoughts. That's going to be exciting. We will be back tomorrow in 2 and 2. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.